Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 525 on Tuesday, the 16th of May, 2023. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Lazarus. And in a week where our toilets are clean, our heating works, and we have plenty of workway, we'll be watching one company thinks it's no big deal for explosives to randomly go off in cars. New New Car News discusses one that looks like a discontinued 11-year-old model from a different manufacturer. And we bring a touch of consumer journalism to the list of the week. Wow, we bring someone else's touch of consumer journalism, I think. Well, we're we're bringing it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Follow up. And hot on the heels of Australia getting really very unhappy with people having street races, California has decided that they too will bring something in. Very similar. And this is Pico Rivera's city council has passed a local ordinance allowing the police to permanently confiscate vehicles used in illegal shows or street racing, and spectators within 500 feet can be fined up to $2,000 for watching the event. And it is made clear in this The Drive article that 500 feet is about two city You could even be done for preparing for one. So you're thinking about it, so therefore you're guilty. Yes, obviously illegal street racing and drifting and stuff is, is illegal. Yeah, yeah, Could absolutely. say that. They've decided to up what penalties there no, are for it. Definitely. Anyway, do you want to keep us in America in the uh, yes, news? Yes, literally as well as figuratively. A company called ARC has been asked by the NHTSA, that's the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration over here, to recall uh, the airbags in about a quarter of all US vehicles. It's quite a large Yes, it number. adds up to 67 million because oh. there have been occasional airbags rupturing and exploding. ARC is saying no. Strongly disagrees. It strongly disagrees. He is saying that there is no systemic or prevalent defect in their inflators and that any time they've gone off, they have gone off randomly because of a random manufacturing defect. Now, of course, with 67 million of them out there, it only takes the tiniest, tiniest percentage to be flaws in a minute percentage uh, for it to become a bit of a thing. But it does underline that it's a mad idea to have explosives pointing at our faces in cars. They're ridiculous. Anyway. We should all have, have, have gone with Audi's Procon 10 instead, which pulls, you know, which remember pulled the, the steering wheel and everything away from you by mechanical means in the event of an accident, as opposed to driving around with fireworks pointing at our faces. It, it is yeah. ridiculous. Airbags are one of those things that when you start thinking it through, you think, why the heck is this allowed? Airbags are a special one. I, I, I've never liked airbags. Obviously, no. you know, operating properly in the right circumstances, they can, of course, save lives or serious injury. He says backtracking wildly, but there's still a firework pointing at your face when you're driving. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to take us to JLR because they have some not as bad as normal <laughs> news. I've been corrected quickly, by the way. It's Procon 10. I, I can't remember what I said if I misspoke whenever I was, I was naming the, the OD system. JLR have announced improved revenue, that they have increased their profits, and that their losses are down uh, significantly in the last quarter of last year. Their full year revenue is up 25% on 2022. Their revenues uh, in the final quarter are up 49% year-on-year. Their wholesale units were up 24% year-on-year. That's for the last quarter, sorry. And for the whole year, they're up 9%. So it means that they have actually managed to get some 
chips and all the parts that they were struggling to get and have been able to deliver uh, vehicles. They've got something like 200,000 units on their books still to build and get to customers. Yes, it's amazing how you can actually start to build stuff when you have the parts and you can actually start to make money when you do it. Obviously, they'll be prioritizing the higher profit vehicles right at the moment. Well, yes, the the Range Rover, the Range Rover Sport. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm happy that they are in a less bad situation. Yes, absolutely. It's always, it's always good when JLR are in a less bad situation. Do you want to take us to... Uh, well, last week was the Volkswagen shareholders meeting. The annual... Oh, no, I was going to make a joke about it being the annual so- uh, sausage fest in, in Wolfsburg because of what they serve for lunch, okay. but you probably don't want that. Yeah, so... <laughs> Amused at his own humour. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, there's there's not much of it. So yes, last week was the Volkswagen shareholders meeting, and as seems to have been the, the case over the last few years, it has been uh, interrupted by protesters. It started off with activists throwing cake at Wolfgang Porsche. It seems to have missed. That's probably a relief. And they were doing that because of the, the Volkswagen Group's stunts on, or... It was claimed that their emission plan mm. will never meet the uh, requirements of yes, the Yes, the science is clear. The emissions from Volkswagen's planned car sales are beyond planetary limits, was the message held up by activists from the group Scientist Rebellion, according to this story from rawstory.com. Uh, not only was cake being thrown, but also a topless woman interrupted the speech given by Volkswagen CEO Oliver Bloom to criticize the group's operations in the Chinese region of Xinjiang. This is an interesting one here because the factory in Xinjiang is a partnership with SAIC. It is in an area of China in which there are documented and known issues with detainment, uh, suppressed minorities and that kind of thing, as well as labor camps. The Volkswagen are rejecting suggestions of forced labor in its factories uh, in, in response as well. Obviously, mm-hmm. don't use forced labor in your factories and try not to have factories anywhere near that kind of thing, I guess. Well, that, that would quite. solve these issues. So it sounds like it was, it was an interesting day out. Probably more interesting than what it was going to well, be. Well, yes, that and the free Wurst as well for the shareholders at lunchtime. Yes. I am going to take us back to America uh, and inside the court, because it's been a while since we've talked about court cases. No, it hasn't. But this time... It's to do with Tesla. And there is a lawsuit that has compared Tesla's over-the-air updates to hacker attacks. Now, there is an error that has come up following over-the-air updates called the BMS underscore U029 error message. Absolutely. And what the lawyer is claiming that this is reducing the performance of the battery packs in certain Tesla vehicles and in one, I think in at least one, that it has actually stopped the battery pack from working at all in one model. And the lawsuit is using, the, is using California's Computer Data Access and Fraud Act and California's Computer Fraud and Abuse Act as the way that it is trying to get money and recompense out of Tesla. Now, they are saying that because of the way Tesla has implemented these updates and it has reduced the usability of their vehicles without the consent and authorization of the owners to the extent that they've done this, 
that that equates to someone hacking in and changing how you're whatever it is from doing whatever it is you want it to do. I'm, I, it's an interesting tactic, and it's the first time we've mm. seen it. And it, but it won't be the last now. No, because that is interesting that they are going down the software route of this because obviously the over the air is software. Not, I'm not a legal expert I'm, by any stretch of the imagination, but this does seem like a bit of a stretch to make that work. Yes, this is going to absolutely come down to wording in an end user licensing agreement that you signed whenever you bought the car, I guess. I, I don't yeah. know if this is going to be successful or not, but it's certainly going to start putting the thought in people's minds. Uh, watch out for some rewriting of user permission documents and stuff. Yeah, because they, they do talk about as well that there was no known faults with the battery packs and all the rest of it, so therefore only Tesla's software reduced these things. So that's the sort of angle they're coming at it from. But it does go to show what a minefield over-the-air updates uh-huh. are. And along those lines, we will link in the show notes not only this story from Auto Evolution, but a blog post from a friend of the show, Ken Tyndall, explaining just how difficult automotive over-the-air updates are. And perhaps the auto industry shouldn't have gone down that route. Yeah, it's really interesting because it, it sort of highlighted a number of things like just the billions of driving hours and everything uh, that has to go into things. It is written in an interesting and understandable way for non-nerds. Yep. Yes, It's absolutely. genuinely interesting. Do have a, a flick through that click through that it's, it's definitely more interesting than the than the story outlined in the court case <laughs> <laughs> that's only because we're very bored well that's true this is very true uh next up is india though india <laughs> has put forward a proposal it's for some some serious anti-pollution measures they want to ban diesel vehicles in highly populated areas by 2027 and ban two and three wheelers or tuk-tuks or you know in in uh, internal combustion powered uh, tuk-tuks by 2035. This is a really good sentiment, I think. Mm. And obviously, yeah. you know, I've, I, I mean, been to India and stuff, then it is polluted. The air is gross, to be perfectly yeah. honest. It really is horrible. And I think this is a fantastic idea. But, but you can hear there was, there was a, there's been a but coming for the last three minutes. But my big worry is, is infrastructure. Especially as from 2024 onwards, all new registrations for city delivery vehicles should be electric. I just don't know how they're going to manage to to charge these. I have this funny feeling that we're going to see an awful lot of diesel and petrol generators being set up along the sides of the streets in an ad hoc manner to charge the electric vehicles. Yeah, if people think it's bad in the yeah, UK. Yeah, there'll be near zero infrastructure at all. Not only that, but you've also got a highly inventive populace who will work its way around whatever loopholes are needed as well. Electricity is not always available at the flick of the switch in much of India, even in large cities. I love the idea. I think it's really, really needed. I just worry that the infrastructure isn't there and then the loopholes that people use to get around the infrastructure will probably be worse than the problem that was being solved in the first place. I I fear it's slightly one of those cases. This isn't China where the government has invested hugely in enabling the mm, shift. Exactly. So that, that it, well, I mean, if, if the government does back it up and does then go on a huge push for infrastructure, then it, it, I'm not saying it'll completely work, but they will be shifting significantly in the right yes. direction. 
Yeah, absolutely. But infrastructure in India is even worse than it is here in the US. Just generally, sorry. Generally, US infrastructure sucks. Good luck on the infrastructure there, folks. Yeah. I'm going to take us to Toyota in Japan. And they have revealed, uh, disclosing, that for more than 10 years, a misconfigured cloud bucket, (coughs) i.e. something on a server remotely. (laughs) A folder. Yes has meant that 2.15 million records were exposed to the internet that anyone, if they had stumbled across it, could have accessed. This also included their connected services that went from uh, November 2013 until April this year that covered things like drivers being able to stream entertainment, use location data to find stolen vehicles, um, flash maintenance reminders, and send for emergency help in case of accidents. Toyota make it very clear that there was no identifying of individual customers, and they had not seen any uh, use or abuse of this data by anybody who should not have had access to it. This is the sort of thing that the laws around the world now help with, Mm -hmm. that companies have to declare this sort of stuff so that it will enable you, if you happen to be one of these 2.15 million customers, to make sure your spidey senses are really ticking along, and just in case something odd looks like it's happening around any of your accounts. But here, it doesn't look like they had any of such information that would lead anyone to be able to find you individually. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Still, protect your servers, folks. Yes. Please check things. More than once. Cornwall next, and thankfully, no technology whatsoever is involved in this story. He says, scrolling quickly. There is. Oh, there a is a survey. Okay, there's a survey. Uh, so, uh, residents of Cornwall are being invited to take part in a study about active travel in the county. They want people who use active travel, uh, which of course is walking, cycling, not driving, to keep a log of what they're doing, to keep a diary of it. Uh, and to submit that. In return, they'll be paid £25 uh, for taking part, I'm sure, to cover, their, to cover their time and expenses. The idea of this is that they will then use this information to be able to make better decisions uh, about uh, how to help reduce car use uh, across Cornwall. Yeah, they are aiming at residents in Truro, Falmouth, Penryn, Newquay, Penzance, and St. Austell. Mm. So they're the major yes. towns. The surveys, uh, well, there's two online surveys, which are one, once a week uh, travel diary for four weeks. And they may even be asked to use another form of transport as part of the research uh, as well, so that they can compare, I guess, the same journey over different forms of transport. Yeah, it's quite interesting. people's feelings on it, which is Yeah, that's like one stage ahead of what we see most of the time. So, yeah. 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 Hopefully. So if you do happen to live in Cornwall and you are in those towns and you do actively travel, please do mm-hmm. sign up for it. Andrew, plugging Van Grant. Yes. Uh, and this is, for a change, good news on this front from the government. Hey. They are increasing the limit up by 50%, so it goes up to £1,500 per financial year for uh, plug-in vans, whereas before it was only £1,000. But the... Uh, Office for Zero Emission Vehicles has changed this because they have been watching market conditions, apparently. But it does go to show that they are paying attention, and when things change, they are adjusting uh, how much 
uh, businesses can claim. That is surprising and welcomed. Yes, yes, and I'm yes, absolutely. I'm very happy to see. Yeah, it. yeah, same here. That takes us to Guild Minute. Quick break in the show where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on and the hosting running. If you feel the motoring podcast is worth a small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. Different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to sh- watch the show recorded live. We also have a small range of merchandise in our spring store, from stickers to mugs and t-shirts. If you don't have any spare cash, and we completely understand, then you can help us by following for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released, and by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all of that, and some of you do, so thank you very much, then the last thing you can do is recommend us to your friends or colleagues. Yep, thank you everyone that does. New new car news, Alan. Can you take us to London for well, the reveal? Yes. The first up uh, in the monster new new car news that we have this week is the MG Cyberster. So this is a compact convertible sports car, which is MG badged, obviously. It's uh, available in two and four wheel drive versions with 309 horsepower or 536 horsepower, respectively. And they will cost 55,000 at the lower end and 65,000 pounds ish at the upper end. Car's about the same size as BMW Z4. So it is bigger than the TF. Obviously, it's upper class or two. Uh, and it weighs about 1,850 kilos uh, thanks to its battery pack. Um, it is ridiculously quick, as you'd expect. And I think it's pretty good looking. The only thing I'd slightly Set my teeth through the rear lights, which were a bit over stylized. But otherwise, this seems like a it's a good looking, good value car. Oh, oh! Apart from the yoke, apart from the yoke, I don't like the yoke. The yoke is gimmicky no, and rubbish. You know, g- g- give me a stupid. proper steering wheel, please. If you've got the yoke, you need, as Tesla has demonstrated, uh, when compared with Lexus, you've got to have adjusted steering. Mm, yeah. Mm, (laughs) this is going to be good folks a lot of people got exercised about the 55,000 because it didn't help because they trumpeted how it was the first affordable EV roadster well that's because the only other one is the Tesla one that was whatever it was but there's a new Tesla one there's virtually no electric cars these days coming out that can be called affordable because they are all significantly north of thirty-five or thirty-two thousand mm-hmm. pounds, that is the reality of electric vehicles, and that's before a manufacturer decides that their electric vehicle is a premium or whatever. I think when it comes to talking about affordability and all the rest of it, that's a very difficult conversation to be had, and statements that are being made are a little bit misleading. I would suggest. Yes, there are good reasons why electric vehicles are significantly more expensive than an ICE mm. equivalent. Um, there's battery packs, there's the silliness that the car industry has got sucked into that everything must be able to get across Europe on one charge, which means you've got to have huge battery packs, which increases your costs massively, which also makes them weigh huge amounts. And that's almost two tons, I quoted earlier, uh, a few minutes ago. Yeah. So uh, until that changes or there is a significant change in battery technology, that's just the way it's going to be. I agree with you. I think looks-wise, it's really attractive. The paint is stunning. Mm. That, that red is, uh, is amazing. I'm a little bit worried where they talk about 
the fascia and instrumentation has taken influence from contemporary gaming trends. That worries me massively that that will look awful very quickly. I think you're right. That kind of stuff dates terribly. I mean, just as comparison, I was sitting here whilst you were speaking there, and I was looking up compared to prices because it quotes as BMW Z4, which is about sizes width. And even that, in its most basic two-liter format, comes in at forty-five thousand. Uh, if you want anything that's quicker, that that is anywhere near the performance that's being put forward by the MG, then you're you're at the the fifty thousand. And similarly, the Super, of course, same platform, same basic platform, is coming in at that fifty-five thousand as well. So I don't think that, given the performance and everything else, that it's actually that different. But performance is also a misnomer because they're electric. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, which then immediately cuts your Cuts your range right down, but it does yeah. some petrol too. So, anyway, I think it's quite good looking. We'll see. We'll see how many get seen on the road and stuff. Really, when it comes to, you know, that's that's really going to be that's really going to be the test, isn't it? Is how many people are actually going to pump up the cash, but as a but as as a halo car? Because so far they are a value proposition. And this mm. is a big step for them. It is, but at least if nothing else, it's a a, a halo proposition. I mean, it's a statement of intent as well. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, let's move on to the next one. So the Lotus Type 134 is a small SUV that will rival the Porsche Macan. They say it's going to be, according to this Autocar article, uh, they say it's going. To, it's been engineered to look, feel, and drive like a Lotus. Uh, and it will share uh, tech, uh, and I imagine much drivetrain and stuff, with the Electra, the larger SUV. Yeah. Now, the rendering here, I hope it looks a little bit smarter than the rendering that's shown here, which is a bit bulbous i think i think i'm being polite enough when i say that yeah it's it's not the most attractive mm -hmm. so this is on the plan not a lot of details just yet however you know i'm i'm not saying it's important or anything but uh, lotus's commercial boss is saying the company expects the type 134 to account for half its annual sales by 2028 and that would put it at about seventy-five thousand units a year almost unheard of numbers for for anything with the lotus battery yeah I, even though it's lotus I do struggle to get excited about another SUV. I think it's it's just the world. I mean, it's the in. way of the market. It's the way of the world. I get that. For how long that's still allowed to go on because the noises of anti-SUV-ness, even though all SUVs are equal, obviously. Obviously, yes. I mean, there's, there is no difference at all between a compact electric SUV and my V8. Lexus, no. which isn't an SUV, it is a, exactly. The same. There is no sport involved. Yes, uh, the, <laughs> clearly, clearly, they are the same thing. Yeah, it, it's all about how much. Yeah, it, it's ridiculous. But never mind. It's it's just hard to get excited. Anyway, like let's move on to the Honda Fest, shall we? Yes, sticking with SUVs. Well, let's tick through these quite quickly. Announced three uh, new models coming to the UK, starting with the E colon NY1, which is um, roughly the same size as the Jeep Avenger. It's a renamed one from the Chinese market at the moment that they build in conjunction with their partners out there. Um, and as a consequence, the interior doesn't have any buttons, but large amounts of screens. It's an electric HRV. That's what it is. You can even see that because the picture at the top in this article, article shows the battery back sticking down where it's been jammed up underneath and it's not been properly packaged for it. They've changed the grill. They've changed the wheels. They've put more screens on the inside and they've changed the highlighting color around on the trims from red to blue because blue's electric. Um, it's, yeah, okay, whatever. 
yeah, it's going to be cheapish, roughly £30,000 as a, a starting price. Meh. Okay. They have to. Yeah, they have to. They have to make one. So, you know, why not uh, Why not bring one from a market that's as mature as ours, I would suggest? I would say at least, at least as mature as ours, yeah. 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 But we'll see what happens, see how many people pick it up. I, I suppose it's, if you're only doing lots of short, I guess really whenever you look at the buyer profiles, you'll probably find that it's people who don't drive very long distances at once, probably have a driveway and space for their own charger. Probably a good market for it there. Probably. I could see I can see why. Next in the Honda Fest is going to be the, the Honda ZRV. And I looked at that and thought, that's familiar. <laughs> and then it says the new Honda ZRV fills the gap between the existing HRV and new CRV. And I thought, that's the US market HRV. And sure enough, Autocar points that out further down in the in the article here. They'll be linked in the show notes. Um but yes, they've they're taking the ever so slightly larger I mean, fractionally larger U.S. market HRV and and bringing it to Europe to sit just above the HRV. It's there we go. It's 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 what it is really. It's a small SUV. You'll only get two two wheel drive. They sell it four wheel drive, all wheel drive over here. Uh, it'll be around the forty thousand pound mark and probably arrive in the UK uh, towards the end of the year. I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. So just, just something to do. The ZRV will effectively take place the current CRV in the brand's European lineup as models upsize its night's iteration to better complete with the Skoda Kodiak and Toyota Highlander. It's not that big. There is a significant difference in size between a Kodiak and a Highlander for, st- for starters. And there's, there's, well, this is the ZRV, but the new CRV is nowhere near that as big as a Highlander. No, but it is the it is closer to the Kodiak. Yes, because to be honest, there's the Honda Pilot, which which competes with the Highlander. Mm. Sorry, I've had a whole new set of model ranges to learn about. Yeah, but but talking about the CRV, um, this is going to be the first plug-in hybrid for Europe with a bold new look that reminds me significantly it's, of it's not the Mitsubishi Outlander, especially in the white colour in the photographs or the renders that we're given. Um, it, this is, as with all these models, this is Honda playing catch-up mm. because the Japanese manufacturers didn't move at all on electrified ve- or electric vehicles, although uh, Toyota yeah. and Honda did early days, and then Toyota continued with the hybrid. I'm moving that to one side, but the fully electrified, they are scrambling now and producing you know, that sort of vehicle. Hmm. This is the third SUV for us to get excited or not coming here, whatever. Yeah, you commented it, it lose. It has certainly from the the press pictures. It has more than a whiff of the uh, of the Mitsubishi Outlander about it. Which I'm not saying is a bad thing because I quite enjoyed when we had one for a week. Yeah, you liked it. Do you I like Outlander? It. I liked it. it. It's a compromised vehicle because it's a plug-in hybrid, but they all are. You quite liked the previous gen crv as well to be honest i, did, I really like the previous gen crv so i just want to sorry i'm just trying to balance out here and i quite like the hrv if it wasn't for the driver assist stuff yeah yay so that's me that's me balanced our negativity with some positivity there we're sitting okay. here gurney about them but i think whenever you've actually got the keys in your hand it's probably a very attractive ownership proposition if your object is to get from a to b yes yes i think well, that's uh, some good news for honda anyway more good news 
is the Civic is now back on UK sale as mm. uh, as of uh, last week. It mm. was um, oh, no it, yesterday. It, it wasn't was, that it was ever taken. Off, well, it was taken off. It, it, it wasn't that it was ever unavailable here. It's just that they had too many orders for the number they could build. Yes. So now they're approaching parity again. So they're reopening the order books. So it's not as if they ever said, no, no civics here. Yeah. It was just a pause to just try and let all the numbers balance up again, um, supply, demand, et cetera. So, so yes, it's back. So that's, yeah, that's it, good. It, just like I guess. other manufacturers have done. Yeah. But one manufacturer, Alan, is actually shutting it for good on one model. Yes, which is a shame. I didn't realize it had been three generations. No, I didn't. No, I, I think that that's probably one of the reasons why Mercedes are discontinuing the CLS is because the last generation became a kind of invisible model, certainly in the UK anyway. Well, I think their target market bought SUVs, probably. Uh, I th- yeah, they probably all moved to the GL whatever coupe versions yeah. um, of, of stuff, which is a real shame, or, or just moved straight into a, some kind of sports car, I guess. But anyway, yeah. the, the reason being given is to increase production capacity for the latest E-Class uh, at the Sindelfingen plant in Germany. Yep. Uh, going to Volvo, though, and they have announced that there are delays in the EX90, which, if you remember, is the fully electric sister vehicle to the XC90, but it looks different and everything, which was due to begin in late 2023 because there are software issues. Uh, we don't know what the software issues particularly are because, obviously, there is so much that software does in vehicles now it might it might be mm. the battery it might be the driver assistance stuff it might be just the infotainment because don't yeah. forget they're they're going all in with uh, google automotive yes there's so much that it could be or it might be a combination of the above so <laughs> we don't know and um, but they will obviously be very happy to tell us when they fix these things and then they can actually get the cars in people's hands mm-hmm. good looking thing though isn't it but i'm glad they didn't release the vehicle and people go, hang on, there's a problem with my software as perhaps others have done recently as yes. a demonstration of how not to do it. Yes, exactly. It's one of those times when you think, well, okay, they're, they're doing it because it's, uh, you know, people are trying to, trying to make sure it's done right. Mm. Do you want to take us to one more or our final new new car news story that made me double check that it wasn't April the 1st? Well, yes. Uh, General Motors is planning to come back to Europe, uh, which is which is definitely a surprise, uh, having pretty much withdrawn from Europe. Uh, but they're going to come back with only electric vehicles. Uh, and they're going to start in Scandinavia, uh, which doesn't come as a huge surprise. I know that loads of people previously, the Chevy... Bolt, the little hatchback, mm-hmm. uh, with electric hatchback, which was never sold in Europe, but really, I don't know why. Just, I guess, because they were pulling out. You know, people were doing uh, personal imports into Norway, uh, for example, because it was just the kind of car they wanted. But GM refused to sell it. So they're starting there. They're starting off in subtle manners with the Cadillac Lyric, uh, which is it's an electric Cadillac, uh, which is it's a handsome looking thing, actually. I'm, I'm going to be honest. Supposedly, the Celestique, the big one that they revealed recently, isn't going to be sold in Europe, well, not to start with. Uh, they're also going to probably going to bring across the Equinox EV and possibly the slightly larger uh, Blazer EV as well. Will they bring the Hummer? It says larger electric cars, like this is from the drive again, uh, larger electric cars like the Silverado EV and Hummer are probably not well suited to the taste of most European car buyers. 
You mean we have some taste? Have they been to Sweden and places where people love those? Because there's loads of space and big roads and it works perfectly in the, over there. Uh, it just doesn't work in towns. Yeah, you can bet that those will be coming over as personal imports. It points out here that GM does still have some infrastructure in the UK and Ireland. It opened an advanced European design studio in the Midlands and expanded its Irish IT innovation hub recently. I wonder what changed the mind. I don't know. Because it was so adamant about leaving and everything. But I wonder whether there was more significant problems in the business that they had to solve. So they had to exit quite a lot of markets very quickly yeah to solidify the base and then think about expanding again mm. because it it just seems so odd because it was so recently that they yeah closed and ran yeah it could even just have been politic you know internal politic yeah yeah just a, a, a very strange one so there's two uh, there's two stories there by the way uh, ford as well not to be outdone has just launched its f-150 lightning in norway so i'm sure they'll be watching to see how well that sold before the <laughs> The Hummer and the Silverado EV. Yeah, that's that's that for new new car news. Thank goodness, what a what a monster yes. uh, bunch this time. Points of interest. Then the first story we've got is from the Autopian. It's a little bit old. It's from twentieth of March. It's by uh, Kevin Williams, and it's one that I spotted a while ago. Uh, and he's talking about uh, regional auto shows. He went to one one near him in Ohio. And he's saying that it, it still matters. Now, I really like this article because it agrees with my own opinions. I know that the manufacturers, uh, and I know that all the journalists have got very, very bored of motor shows. So, oh, here we go. Yes, we're going to walk around. Oh, it's completely irrelevant these days. We can do individual things. What they missed, and I think what Kevin experienced by going on, you know, the public days as, as opposed to press days, is that actually people, potential buyers like them. And that they're good to get a view of a lot of vehicles very, very quickly in the same place. Yeah, and it's without the hard sell. I was about to say that's exactly where I was going. Here, if you take a step near a dealership, there, there will be someone clinging to your arm like a freaking limpet. And you're like, go away, go away, get off, get rid of your slime. And, um, and it, it's a nightmare. Whereas here, you can actually, this is an opportunity for people to go around and look at things at their own pace and without that hard-pressed sell, which just, we'll talk about this in another, in a podcast at some point, but buying cars over here is just hell. And it will mostly be a ranty, Alan, shouty podcast, but never mind. It's really nicely written. I mean, Kevin explains it far better than I do. So, uh, so do have click through. It's from the Autopia, and the link will be in the show notes. Right. I'm going to take us to the list of the week, and this is from Top Gear, and I found this quite a good reminder because it's called Ten Things You Probably Didn't Know About the Highway Code." Now, we did talk about quite a while ago the changes in the Highway Code, but I'd forgotten one of these myself which was, and there was others in here that caught me a little bit uh, by surprise too, but the one that I'd forgotten about, because uh, I'm not going to ask Alan for his top 10 here. No, because Andrew's is good, so we were going to... Is about uh, the pedestrians and cyclists. And we know, or if you listen to the show, you will know that the pedestrians and cyclists now have more of a right of way than they did before, and it is hierarchical to do with who is most at risk. But the one that caught me was that if you're in a motor vehicle, you must give way to a pedestrian who is waiting to cross the road. Mm. 
and I'd forgotten that. And I actually witnessed that today on the road that somebody waited for a pedestrian to cross a road rather than turn in. And they got tooted at by the car behind them for waiting. So we need to remember that there are changes, that this is a live document, the highway code, and we need to keep up to date with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's a lot to be said for some form of intermediate or time-based. Hey, it's time to retake your written test or driven test or something with driving, isn't there? Yeah. Mm. yeah. Uh, here, the, the same rule applies here in Massachusetts, but people start stopping miles away from you. And it's quite unnerving, actually. Sometimes people are overly polite about it, even when you're trying to hang back from the edge and think, well, let's let, let those four cars pass. I'm not in a rush. And then one of them will just s- start slowing. And you're not sure if they're slowing because they've seen you or they're slowing for another reason or whatever. It's, it's very weird. But, but yes, it's, it's good to remember the, 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 that particular rule. What's next? And finally this week. And finally this week upsets me. It's not one I would have put in. It's crash testing Lego Technic cars. And I just look at it and go, what a waste. Time, effort, some bits are broken. Um, the crash testing Lego Technic cars uh, from five kilometers an hour up to a hundred kilometers an hour, and it's a Technic Defender crashing into a Technic Charger. Um, yeah, I, I didn't watch to the end. I just went mm, okay, but there we go. No real cars were harmed making, making this video. video. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Uh, well, this has been a bit of a monster this week. Uh, so let's very quickly. Parish notes, Andrew. Yeah, I'd like to uh, thank you all for your patience and uh, Alan for manfully carrying on in my absence. I am very sorry that it's been so long. And as you can probably tell from my not very great voice, and I hope I didn't annoy you too much during this episode, that it has been quite a struggle to get back to anything like being on the show. Uh, And also thank you to everybody who sent me the kind messages. Very much appreciated. And the ones who sent me the kind messages as well, that's also appreciated. <laughs> yes, the subs first bit. Yeah, I'm glad you're back. I missed you or something. I have to say something rude to him off air to balance that out. Congratulations also to Alex Grant, Rich Gooding, who have both been mon- nominated in more than one category for their work in the annual News Press Awards. Well done, guys. Much deserved. Um, you do great work. Yep, really appreciate it. And yes, maybe one day there'll be a news press uh, awards for for podcasts. But given there's a limited number of motoring news podcasts, then well, just um, just an, just a, some just for them to recognise that podcasts exist would be nice. I don't yes. I don't care if we win anything or not, but just to acknowledge that the medium happens. Yes, well, they're a little bit behind everyone else, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that does it for this week. Don't forget, folks, that between now and next week, you can give us any feedback, share your thoughts, or show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page at motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Uh, remember, you can support us financially via Patreon, and please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via social media, such as Twitter or Mastodon. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you will find me there. And Alan, if people want to get in touch with you personally, uh, and find out what it is really like in your uh, sporty, compact SUV. <laughs> You're half right. Uh, then uh, you can get in touch with me, best to use Twitter or Mastodon, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B I A D L E Y. We'll be back uh, very soon. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring. <laughs>